this is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Thank you, choir. Thank you for uh, blessing us in every way. All right, I'm making room up here. It had been a week unlike the disciples had experienced. Much of the week had been involved in them coming to Jerusalem. They were now gathered in an upper room. And I'm sure the disciples were looking back on that week. And there were some things that had gone on that really probably was not what they had expected. It had been a week where they had come to the city. They'd been there. Jesus had been preaching in the temple. And in that moment as he was preaching, there was a lot of opposition that was taking place. A lot of religious leaders who were very upset at the message of Jesus. And were asking the question, who is this Jesus? We've been asking this question as we've been kind of walking through the Gospel of John. Who is Jesus? Because it's a question that each of us have to come to terms with. And it was a, a answer to a question that even the disciples themselves were still coming to terms with. Who is Jesus? We know that um, in just the verses before in this upper room, that there had been this discussion with Jesus, and he had told them that he was going away to prepare a place for them. And in his going away, that he would come again. And Thomas says, well, how can we know where you are going? How can we know the way? And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That great statement. And Philip kind of asked, well, God, I mean, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And he says, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? If you had known me, he says in verse 7, you would have known my father. So we know even in that moment there are misperceptions even among the disciples in regards to who Jesus is. We know that Jesus is preparing them for a mission. They have been walking through this process where Jesus had come to them. And he had said, come and follow me. And these disciples had come and they had followed Christ. And they had seen the miracles. They had seen all of these things taking place. And I'm sure that they were thinking to themselves, this should look different. He should be displaying his power in Jerusalem. He should be displaying his power to the religious leaders. They should see the things that we've seen and then they would follow him. Because Jesus had invited them not only to come and see, but to come and to follow. And they had now left their boats. They had left their uh, businesses. They had left behind their families and they were now part of this group of disciples we know there's a larger group of the 70 and the 120 but this is a part listening now of the 11 judas having left and they're there they're in the upper room and jesus is preparing them because he's now walking them through the phase of beyond come and see and come and follow to now go and do he had sent them to preach and now he is sending them to make disciples 
But yet we can really see in this passage that there's some things that they still don't get. There's still some things about the mission that they still don't understand. We know that from Jesus because he had watched each one of them walk past this basin of water that would have been there. They all left the task of washing feet to someone else. They're having this discussion about who is the greatest, who will sit at the right and at the left. And Jesus comes in and he hears this dialogue still taking place because it was an ongoing dialogue. He takes off his outer garment. He grabs a towel. He puts it around his waist. He takes the water in a basin and he kneels down. And the Son of God, God himself, begins to wash their feet. Of course, Peter immediately reacts, well, what are you doing? You, you know, um, you know, wash all of me. And Jesus says, you're already clean, Peter, which we'll see that reference again in a minute. I have no need to wash all of you, but if you will not allow this, you'll have no part in me. And then when he completes that washing of the feet, he clearly tells them that this is something that they are to continue. As I have done this, that they were to continue giving themselves, serving to other people. Because part of the mission is going to involve them giving of themselves. It's going to involve humbling themselves. It's going to involve them being broken. If they are fully going to become the disciples that Christ intends for them to be. We're going to use the statement this morning, full disciples. Now, what do we mean by full disciples? You know, some, you know, I'm filling the suit out pretty good. I might be a full disciple. You know, I'm gray's getting a little grayer and a little whiter. And so, you know, there's a point of, okay, God, I'm getting full enough. You know, obviously the white's coming out. You know, so is that what we're talking about here? What are we talking about when we talk about fully devoted followers of Christ? Because, you know, that's a part of our mission statement, even as a church, that we would become fully devoted followers of Christ. So what does it mean to be full? To be fully devoted really has the idea of coming to completion. Because we know here in this, uh, he's going to say that he wants them in verse um, chapter 8 in this passage that we're going to be looking at, that he wants them to bear fruit, to prove to be disciples. And so that really is kind of the idea here is that they're wanting to bear fruit and become these disciples, that their joy and that their glorification of God would be full. So it has the idea of completion, that they are coming to completion, that when they, that they were accomplishing or should be coming to a point where they're beginning to accomplish, beginning to fulfill what they've been called to do. You know, that process has to happen in each one of us as well. There are portions of the Christian life. There are these aspects of the Christian life that as we begin to live those out, you know, some of them we get a little better than others. And so we kind of struggle in those areas and we're working and we're, we're saying, okay, God, I'm surrendering this to you. I'm making the changes. I'm doing this. And so we get down that road a little bit and we get some maturity and we're like, you know, it's different than it was five years ago. I feel like I'm beginning to kind of get the hang of that. I feel like I'm fulfilling what God wants me to do in that area. That's the idea of completion, the idea of being full. So when we talk about being fully devoted followers of Christ, we're talking about followers of Christ that are fulfilling 
what it is that God's called them to do. It doesn't mean that we have it all figured out. It doesn't mean that um, we you know, are without sin. It means that there is this aspect where we are accomplishing what God has called us to do. The passage we're in today is John 15. And I want to kind of give you a, the big idea of what I want to talk about today. And then I want to kind of break down uh, these aspects of this. Because the big idea in this passage really is that fully devoted disciples bear the fruit of Christ. Out of a genuine abiding relationship with Christ that proves the authenticity of the disciple. Authenticity. I love that word because I think there is a real cry in our day for leaders that are authentic. We've all seen the leaders that have come along. We're going to do this. If you just elect me, if you just uh, hire me, if you just allow me to do this, and then all of these things will come place and then will take place, and then we pull back the veil. And somehow there was a level of authenticity that really was focused, where they were really focused many times on their selves trying to hide something. We've all seen that. We've all been disappointed by that. And I think today there is kind of this, this re-desiring, this desiring for leaders that will be authentic, for people who will be authentic in who they are. Not that we expect our leaders to be, um, you know, without struggles, but that when they hit a struggle, they admit it. They say, yes, that's something that I struggle with, and this is where I'm finding help. This is where, what this looks like. Yes, that was a part of who I was. This is a part of who I am and what I'm doing, and this is where I'm finding help, and this is what God is doing in me. The cry for authenticity. And so you see here Jesus as he begins to prepare these disciples that there is an aspect of them living in a relationship with him, living in an abiding relationship with them that allows them to be the fully developed followers that they need to be. But what does that look like? You know, is that just a book that I read and close it up and, okay, steps one, two, three, and that's it? Is that what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ? Is it if I just have the right formula, if I just, you know, do, if I have five weeks of church and three weeks of Sunday school and put that together with uh, a service project, then I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ. You know, so it's really coming to terms of what does that authentic disciple look like? What does that disciple look like that's bearing the fruit that, that the, you know, an orange tree bears what it is supposed to bear, and so when it's healthy, it's bearing the fruit of oranges. When a vine, as we'll look at today, is healthy, it's bearing the fruit of grapes. And when we are abiding in Christ and we are healthy in terms of what we need to be, then we're bearing the fruit of Christ. So Jesus is ready to send these disciples. He knows that they need to understand and they need a supply of him. They need to be in a place where the work that they're going to do, the works that he wants to accomplish through them, can only be accomplished if they are grounded and rooted and they are abiding in who he is. So he's going to take this example. It's a, 
an example out of the everyday life of someone living in this part of the world. And he's going to show them really from what it was an agricultural pursuit of the day, what being this devoted follower would look like. And he does it with a grapevine. Let's read the passage and then we'll walk back through and we'll talk about what it is that he is trying to say and what it is that we need to recognize. Notice verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You have already, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you are abiding in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And he who abides in me, and I in him, he's bearing much fruit, for apart from me, You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch. And that branch dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. But if you abide in me and my words are abiding in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove. So display what it means to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So these things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be as a fully devoted follower of christ there are some things that we need to recognize there are some aspects of this passage that i want us to draw out and look at and the first is that a fully devoted follower has to recognize the relationship that exists between the vine dresser and the vine and how you maintain the health of the branches now, some of you may have been around the old scuppernog vines and maybe had one of those in your yard growing up or maybe around. Uh, my experience is kind of a little bit with those and with a Concord vine that a good friend of ours had. But the working of a vine, and, and this was something that you would see every day. Most houses had in a courtyard some kind of a vine that was growing <coughs> that was there. And that there was a certain time of year where that vine would bear fruit. It would bear grapes. Many places would have those outside of the home. Most farms would have several of these grape vines and places where they were put on trellises. And, of course, in that day and time, if you were walking out on the road, you would see these different vineyards that would be in different places as you would walk where there was almost like a commercial type of growing of grapes that was taking place. But a grapevine is not something that you just kind of go out to a couple times a year, do a couple things here, throw some fertilizer on it, clip it a couple times, and then I'll be back in six months and we'll see if we have some grapes. 
It is an ongoing process, sometimes even a daily, but especially a weekly process of you keeping up and maintaining and working with that, with that vine because a lot of things can happen to it. One are, is that you have all of these shoots that try to go all these different directions, and so those shoots oftentimes will put themselves down into the ground, and they will get dirty, and they will get diseased. Um, foxes love to nibble on those kind of things. So if it's away from the house somewhere, the, the foxes can do a lot of damage to a grapevine. And so you're always out there trying to get those leaves up. You're always trying to get them out of the ground. And that's an idea of lifting them up so that they can be healthy and getting them tied up so that they're growing and being productive up toward the top of the trellis. Also, you're trying to look for branches and these different um, vines that are going everywhere and you're trying to control them you're trying to cut them back so that if you don't then a lot of energy is going into the, the plant and you have very little fruit being produced but if you'll cut those back and allow those that are healthy to really flourish and that that um, nutrients not go off in other places then that plant in that cluster of grapes is healthier and it bears a greater fruit. And birds land in them, and they leave droppings. You have rodents can get in them. I mean, you have all of these kind of issues where you always have to be working and cleaning and maintaining the health of that vine. And that's where I want you to see what Jesus is saying. He clearly identifies God as the vine dresser, this farmer who's coming along, who's cultivating this vine. He clearly identifies himself as the vine. He says, I am the true vine. It is one of these I am statements of these seven I am statements where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the door. This is one of those statements where he says, I am the vine. Identifying self as the vine. And then he identifies us in verse 5 or believers as the branches. And then he says in verse 2, every branch in me, emphasizing that that this parable is pointing to believers as the branches that are in him. But notice what the statements that he says here in verse 2. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Has the idea of it's being lifted up. It's, it's the idea of cleansing, that, that that branch is taken up and it's lifted up and it's cleaned and it's and it's reestablished. It can have the idea of cutting, but it also has the idea of lifting and being clean and working for that plant to be healthy. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? So that it bears more fruit. Now what's interesting is that God is working in us to maintain us to be healthy in him. You see, what bears fruit is someone, is something that is healthy. A healthy vine will produce an incredible crop. And I think that oftentimes we get sidetracked often on issues. You know, we're, we're as a church, we want to grow, we want to grow, we want to do, you know, all of these things. But really what we need to be focused on is, is the, are we healthy? Because if we're healthy, we'll grow. You know, you don't have to say to your children, okay, you put them there and say, okay, grow. Why? 
Because if they're healthy, they'll grow. If they're not growing, you're like, okay, let's get them to the doctor and let's see what's going on. Because it's built into their DNA to grow. The same way with the vine. If it's healthy and it's being looked after, then it's growing. It's being cleansed. It's growing. And it's the same way with us. God has built within us the DNA to grow into what He would desire for us to do. He has a purpose and a desire for, he, for what He wants us to do. But there is a process that He has to go through with us in order that we are living out what is true about us. And sometimes that means God has to cleanse us. Sometimes He's got to get the junk out of our life. Sometimes there's some things that we're allowing into our life and we need to be lifted up out of that and we need to be cleaned. Sometimes there's just some distractions in our life that God needs to cut away some of those things because they're pulling us away from where we need to be. We're not staying in the place where we need in terms of that spirit place of spiritual growth and they're distracting us and God has to come along and trim some of those things out of our lives. We know that he's talking about this cleansing aspect because he says right in the next verse, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So he has the idea that this vine is healthy, this vine is clean, but it needs to be kept clean. And God the Father is working through Christ, providing the resources, and they are working in our lives so that we would be what we were intended to be. Cleanliness is something that is important. And when Christ, we receive Him, there's this cleansing that takes place. We talked today in our Sunday school class about atonement and the atoning and the cleansing of sin that comes. And when we receive Christ, there's this cleansing. And for a lot of us, you know, that, <coughs> that moment came and we were so excited and God was doing some incredible things and God was cleaning and He was making and, and there were some things in my life that, we were, that I was putting away and, and they were there. But somewhere along the way, we let some things start to slip back in. Well, you know, I, have, I know a lot of other Christians that do that. I know, you know, it may not be ideal, but, you know, these are, in this circumstance, I think it would be, when we fill in the blank and we allow these things to come into our life. And it's almost like we have one door open to the flesh over here and we want everything that the world has. But then over here, we're struggling. I keep falling to temptation. I, I'm not excelling in my spiritual life in the way that I want to. And it's because we've not taken the steps to, to allow that door to the flesh to be closed and to allow God to clean some things in our life so that we can reflect who we really are. Because we're already clean. We are clean in Christ and we have trusted Him and we believed in Him. It's about me working out and living out what is already true about me and living that in a way where Christ is being glorified. But that's going to mean some change. That's going to mean getting healthy in some areas in our life. But notice, second of all, that there's something else that we have to recognize. 
And that is that fruit bearing comes from abiding. So how does this healthy fruit come into my life? How do I, if I'm being clean, then where is this fruit being born out? How does that, what does that process look like? Well, look in verse 4. He says, Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him, he's bearing much fruit, for apart from me he can do nothing. So we see that there's a relationship. A, the word abide here kind of has the idea of, of remaining or on a sojourn, going along with someone who's there all of the way, to be held, to be kept. It's the idea that Christ, I am in Christ, and He is holding me, He is keeping me. And as I take that time to spend time with Him, to allow His Word to speak into my life, to hear the preaching maybe of His Word, and to allow that ongoing relationship through prayer and the Word to take place, because he clearly says in a few verses, if my words are abiding in you. So he has the idea of prayer. He'll mention that. He has the idea of the Word of God in our life, that there is a nutrient, there is a resource that is flowing into our lives. But that is maintained, and there is a fruitfulness that comes when that is continuing, when that is an ongoing flow into my life. But I'm going to tell you, we cut that flow off a lot of times. Well, <clears throat> I don't have time to just sit around and pray and read the Bible all the time. I've got to work. I've got kids. They've got sports. We've got all these things. And so <clears throat> I just, you know, I feel like me and God, we're good. We're safe. And so I've got out here and I've got work to do. And we want to accomplish much, but it seems like we're accomplishing Nothing. And it's because we've said that doesn't, because that's not important to flow into my life. Now, it amazes me. This is a side note. But it amazes me the number of people that can, I can have conversations with that can tell me, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to do the spiritual things. I don't have time to be involved in a group. But then you sit down and talk to them and they, get, they know about every reality show that's on TV. They, they've watched the news. They know the weather. They've got every app on their iPhone that they're looking at and seeing. <coughs> but somehow, none of that can be used for spiritual growth. They're commuting 45 minutes each way. But they don't have time for spiritual growth. Brother and sister, let me tell you, turn that commute into a time of worship and praise. There are devices that on that phone where you can listen audibly to the Word of God. You can go and get things that you can put into your CD player. There is, there is music that can lift you to God's throne, and you can abide and listen and hear the Word of God. You can turn off that TV, which, let's face it, that is the distraction in our lives next to the smartphone for other people that we need to power down and turn off and turn on the abiding in Christ. I am very concerned about the news, and I keep up, but if I, if I have an hour, should I invest that in the news or should I invest that in abiding with Christ? 
Because what happens in all of those areas and all of those things, why I need to pray for those in authority, I'm going to do a whole lot more to be praying for those in authority than I am just sitting watching a TV show. And Jesus is clear. You want to accomplish much, but it will not be if you are not abiding. If you think that abiding is optional, then don't be surprised if you get along the way and you're tired and you're broken and you get to the point where you say, I just can't do this on my own. And Jesus might say, good, you're right where I want you because you can't apart from the abiding relationship with Him. But when we are in that place, when we are allowing Christ to speak into our lives, when we are allowing His Word to dwell in us, when we are allowing our, to put ourselves in community where other people are challenging us spiritually and where we are say, I'm going to step out of the boat in faith and I'm going to do something, it is amazing how there is a difference, there is a joy, there is a hopefulness that comes in that and God is all of a sudden doing something that I did not think possible because I found my place in the abiding relationship with Him. Folks, there's not a person in this room that doesn't want to bear fruit for Christ. But it will not happen apart from His Word. It will not happen apart from prayer. And it will not happen apart from you being in a community where you are being challenged to live your faith and you are joining other people saying, we're going to accomplish something for the purpose of Christ. That is the abiding relationship. Another thing that's need to recognize is that God is pruning you for your good and for your growth. Do you know that? Notice what he says here, and he says, If you will abide in me and my words will abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish, and what's going to happen? It's going to be done. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. There is a a glorifying of God that happens in us that God has our best interests at heart and He is pruning us for our good and for our growth. That's hard though sometimes because cleansing causes friction so it causes pain but it gets us clean. Pruning causes pain but it takes away the distractions, the things that would takes away and God takes those things and He uses them in our life. And to know that God has His good intention for you. This promise that's here about asking anything you wish in prayer obviously assumes, it assumes in the same verse that we are abiding in His words. It assumes that it is based in a relationship with Him. It assumes that God has our best interest at heart. And it assumes from other passages that God's will is being asked. But when we are in an abiding relationship and we are asking God out of the promises of His Word, out of the uh, abiding of, of knowing that this is the will of God, and when I'm praying Scripture back to God, there is something that is there that God works through in a very powerful way. Because we begin to see what God wants for our life. We begin to see His will for our life. We begin to see that maybe God can use this situation that we want to get out of desperately, that God can take us not around it, not away from it, but that He can take us through us. And there are people that are looking at you saying, 
And I think many times God puts us in situations where that he says, they've seen you walk with me in the good times. Now they get to see you walk with me in the difficult times. See, spiritual maturity is not the absence of suffering. It's not a path around suffering. It's a path through suffering. It is the process through which God stretches you. It is the process through which God develops you. Those difficult times are the process where you can do nothing to depend upon Him and say, God, I am staying, I am abiding, I am growing. And I don't know how this is taking place, but you're sustaining me. And God, I even see fruit coming out of this that I never thought I would see. And I think we're getting a glimpse of what it is that Christ is talking about. See, He's the vine, and He's providing. And His energy, and His spirit, and His will, and His words are flowing through Him, and through Scripture, and through prayer, and they are being poured into our lives. And God fully completes us and fully develops us into what He desires for us to be. But I want you to see this last of all, that we become fully devoted disciples, must recognize that He is full and Christ is our joy. Look at this. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We know that our life is to glorify God. And in the verse there, in um, verse 10, Excuse me, verse 8, my Father is glorified by this, that you're bearing fruit and that you're proving to be disciples. But he says here that when that is taking place, when the fruit of God is being displayed in our life, when there is a healthy outflow of the spirits of the fruit of the spirit when there is a healthy outflow of ministry when there is a knowledge of god and when there is a showing the compassion and the character and the love of god when that is happening in our life and the fruit of god is is flowing out of us there are two reactions that should be taking place and are taking place one is that jesus looks at us and his joy is full that when our lives are being developed into what He would desire for us to be, that there is a joy, there is a pleasure that God derives from that, that is the part of our purpose. The Westminster Confession says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to bring Him pleasure. And this verse, Christ says, when you are living out that abiding, fruitful relationship, my joy is full. And when his joy is full, then guess what? My joy is full as well. Because he doesn't stop at that statement. He says that your joy may be full. I've taught you this. I'm teaching you this, disciples. I want you to understand this, disciples, that as you go and as you abide in me and as there is a pruning, as there is a cleansing, as there is a developing into what you need to be, and no matter how difficult, there is a joy that is there that I am building in your life. And all of this is for your good that your joy may be full. Because he wants to build within us the joy of him. Folks, this life is temporary. These things that we wring our hands over, that we are laying awake at night worrying about, guess what? They're all going to be gone. They're all going to be taken care of. 
But Christ will be our joy. And the joy of Him is enough. He is enough. Do you believe that? Do you believe that He is enough? That if all of those situations were to get worse rather than better, that He is enough. He is enough. And when we find our joy in Him, and when we find our joy in serving Him, and when we find our joy in allowing God to prune us and to cleanse us and to grow us, and we say, I'm stepping out to follow You no matter the cost, no matter the price, I will become that fully developed follower of Christ, broken and Your Spirit flowing through me, that there is a joy that can be found in that place. Amen? Jesus wants us to develop and to see and to understand that out of Him, flowing out of Him and into us is found the glory of Christ and the fulfillment of of what it is that He has called us to be. So how are you doing? Need to... For me, sometimes it's saying, okay, what's that abiding relationship? Can I really look back on my schedule this week and say I abided? That there were significant times where I just sat alone with God in Scripture and spent time with Him and let Him teach me? Am I really seeing the fruit in my life that I want to see? Or is there so much distraction that Christ is far from flowing into my life because I've not even taken the time to abide and I'm doing everything in my own strength? I think sometimes for our lives we just need to stop, get alone and say, okay, God, what are you doing? And let him cleanse, let us, let him do his work. In us. Let me show you something real quick. You may not be aware of it. I want you to see this real quick. This is the churches. We have had this, and you can't see that very well, but it's a purpose statement, a vision statement that we have as a church. It is on our website, and I want to read it to you because I really think in the end it really is a reflection of what it is that God would desire for us to be. Our mission First Baptist Suffolk is to fully de- to be fully devoted, to make fully devoted followers of Christ who reflect God's glory. Our vision is to cultivate an environment where life transformation, where people are challenged to discover truth through preaching and teaching, to model gospel-centered lives by living out truth, to impact our community and world by serving others, to train others by, through family, teaching our families, and one-on-one discipleship, and to share hope by telling the story of creation, of fall, of redemption, and consummation. You know what? That's our purpose. And we've got a work to do. To share truth, to discover God's Word, to allow that abiding relationship to take place in us. Let me tell you, there is a lot of it's about ready to happen to this church. In the next year, we will build a building... In the next year, we will remodel a large part of our facilities. 
And the world will look and drive by and say, something is happening. And that is true. There will be brick and mortar. There will be things torn out. There will be things put back. There will be beautification that takes place. But let me say, if that is the only thing that is happening, then we've missed the boat. Because all of those things that happen are happening to enrich us discovering truth and people walking through those doors and coming to our small groups and discovering truth. All of those things are happening so that people will come and say, Jesus, yeah, let me tell you about the story of Jesus and who he is. All those things are happening so that we can look at our lives and say, there is a message that is here. We are the church gathered and we are inspired by what we do on Sunday morning, but that is not the end of what we do. What we do on Sunday morning is merely to take us out into the world to be the people of influence in this community and to make an impact. I hope that people will walk through these doors and they will hear the preaching of God. I hope that people will come and they will watch us worship. I hope that people will come and they will be fulfilled in every way. But let me say to you, those buildings in and of themselves will not do that. It will be us as fully devoted followers of Christ following out what he has called us to be. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the challenge that you're giving us to abide in you and to bear the fruit of Christ. God, teach us much about you, about ourselves. God, change us. God, transform us into what you would desire for us to be, fully devoted followers of Christ, following after you. Oh, we love you. Christ's name. Amen. Stand with me if you would and let's worship. If you need to come and pray, if you want to come and make a decision, join in the church, trust in Christ, we're here and we're available for you. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin. But I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. 
and find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together. Thank you.